Welcome to the Live Unrestricted Podcast, a show where you'll learn how to heal your relationship with food and your body so that you can focus your time and energy on more important things like your personal growth. I'm your host, Sabrina Magna, food freedom coach, and my mission is to help make your life happier and healthier without stress, overwhelm, or guilt about food. If you love the show, please do go out and share it. And if you're looking for support with your relationship with food, details about my programs are in the show notes. Thanks for spending time with me today. Now let's jump in. Welcome back to the show. You are in for an amazing episode today with our guest, Victoria Kleinsman. Victoria is a food freedom and body love coach, inspirational speaker, podcast host, and writer. She is certified in psychology, spirituality, and the science of nutrition, and is also inspired greatly in her work by her own personal experience and walking a tumultuous recovery journey herself. After surviving anorexia, bulimia, binge eating disorder, and an abusive relationship, Victoria truly understands what it's like to feel out of control around food and disgusted with the reflection in the mirror. After undergoing her own healing journey, Victoria now truly embodies food freedom. She eats intuitively from a place of self-care, not punishment. She eats what she wants, when she wants, without guilt or shame. And now she has unconditional self-love that she never thought was possible for her. We had so much to talk about. Our stories are so aligned, and I'm really excited for you to hear our open and honest conversation. And I'm really excited for you to hear our open and honest conversation during which we discuss how Victoria's eating disorders developed at a very early age due to the environment that she grew up in, how Weight Watchers affected her relationship with food, what the anorexia gene is and how it can get turned on and off, what hitting rock bottom looked like for her, how she went from being completely food obsessed and self-loathing and almost hopeless about anything changing to finding genuine peace with food, body love, and a deep sense of self-worth. This is such a good conversation, and I cannot wait for you to hear it. So without further ado, let's jump into our conversation with Victoria Kleinsman. Hi, Sabrina, and hi to your listeners, and thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. So everyone that I have on here, uh, anyone who gets into the field of food freedom or body love or intuitive eating, a lot of the times they will have their own origin story. I know that I have it for myself, having had struggled with disordered eating and orthorexia and body dysmorphia. And we get to a point where we want to help people because we know how harmful, how hard it is to live in this internal food prison where everything you think about is your weight and food. And you particularly have a a difficult story and a difficult past. And so I'm very curious, when did all of these food issues start with you? Yeah, so from as long as I can remember, I was seeing my mum dieting, my auntie's dieting, my whole family was talking about bodies, food and weight. And so it was around the age of nine when I remember I was trying to do an impression of like Winnie the Pooh. Are you aware of who Winnie the Pooh is? <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just checking there's like a cultural difference in like the UK and then America. Yeah. So, so Winnie the Pooh has a has a big tummy and I remember like trying to stick my tummy out to be like Winnie the Pooh and I was around eight, nine years old and I was like, mom, like, look at, look at me. And she was distracted and she, all she saw was 
be sticking my tummy out and then her immediate response to my excited share that I could be like winning the poo was well if your stomach's too big you need to just stop eating so many sweets then and then I remember like being really confused as a child and then obviously un- un- um, consciously all the conditioning I'd already had since I was born like and probably in the womb as well that fat is bad and thin is good I started to pay attention to my food and started to copy my mom. And I started Weight Watchers with my mom when I was nine. Now, I I wasn't, and I say overweight in quotes for the podcast because, I mean, over what weight? And my BMI is still classed as obese in, in my natural weight now. However, I was never like an overweight child. And my mom gave me a set amount of points, but it wasn't to lose weight. It was just to do it with her, like a which obviously is very problematic, but she didn't really realize that at the time. And so it was something for us to do together. Yeah, I wasn't technically dieting. I was just counting points like with my mom and going to her weigh-ins with her. And I was an overachiever even back then. And so I would think to myself, well, if I do less points than like what my mom gave me, then I'll be like really good and I'll be a good achiever. And then seeing her like praise slim bodies as I was growing up, I also knew that if I got slimmer, I'd get more praise. And therefore my child mind thought more love from my mom. So that's when it started. And I started actually dieting like off my own choice at nine, never really got into much problems, but I did lose a bit of weight. But then my mom would binge every weekend and I would copy what my mom did and binge with her. And so my yo-yo dieting started from the age of nine. And then when I started to hit puberty at the age of 13, I developed anorexia nervosa. And I think that is due to, in all honesty, mainly the body image stuff, like your body's changing. I didn't want to change. I wanted to stay like a child. I didn't want period. I didn't want to get boobs. I, did, I just wanted to stay as small as possible. And my overachieving personality, like all linked together. I also know now from research and from Tabitha Farrar's research specifically that the anorexia is a genetic thing. And so if you get to a low body weight for your body, the gene can get switched on if you have the gene. And therefore, it's a biologic response. So it's like a migration response. So birds and animals do this as well. So birds fly south in the summer, in the winter, sorry, to to hotter lands. Some pigs do this. If they go to a certain lower body weight, they will pace up and down their pen all day and they won't eat anything until they're force fed, got up to a certain weight, and then they'll just eat normally again. Wow. So if you, if you imagine this, like, so back in the day when we did need to migrate to somewhere where there was more food, we would have been the survivors because we would have been like my our biology would have been like, right, OK, there's not enough food. We're going to make eating feel bad and wrong. And you're going to want to exercise and just move as much as possible to get to this land of abundant food. When you're there, feast, eat, which is basically binge eating, mm-hmm. feast everything. Your body weight will go back up. The anorexia gene will get switched off and therefore you can continue eating normally again. That doesn't happen in our environment because it's mostly based from fear of weight gain and and all of that. So obviously, I'm happy to go deeper into that in a moment. Um, I was anorexic from the age of 13 till about 18. I was weight weight restored within a couple of years, but it's all in the mind. It was I was still petrified of food. I was petrified of weight gain. I thought I was overweight, and I was you could see every rib, and then. When I was 19, I fell into an abusive relationship 
And then something weird happened. It was almost like because of the nature of this relationship, I wasn't in the real world. I didn't go anywhere. I didn't do anything. It was almost like I was in, I call it the cave, the abusive cave. And so then I felt safe to just eat because I had no one judging me. He was nasty to me anyway. I didn't even like myself. So may as well eat. And so from all the restrictions since I was like nine, I just ate and ate and ate. I obviously hated myself for it. It wasn't like I was all of a sudden fine with eating everything. Mm-hmm. But it was almost like, well, what's the point? Because this is my life. I'm not, I literally wore the same things every day. I never did anything. And then I did go to the doctors at one point because he would judge me for all of that. And I got diagnosed it with binge eating disorder. I wasn't purging at that point. So it was just simply, it wasn't even like I was thinking about restricting. It was just, I was just eating period, like all day, every day, put a lot of weight on very quickly. I was in that relationship for six years and then I left that relationship and then found the gym I mean, I became obsessed with the gym. Like I hadn't worked through any obsessive, like compulsive behavior. It just like latched on from, because it was interesting. So I'd, I would diet and overachieve dieting and be anorexic. I would binge eat and overachieve binge eating and literally like eat to, I'm talking tens of thousands of calories, like every single night in a couple yeah. of hours without the purging. And then I found the gym and then I would quote overachieve at that, became 9% body fat. It really does. It really does sound like because you never addressed the root cause of why you were latching onto all these behaviors, that obsession just kept moving from one one struggle to another without actually getting to the root cause of why am I doing this in the first place? So it's really needing to heal here. Exactly. And I didn't see that at all. I had no idea that that was like my the root of my pattern until you know until I started my healing journey five years ago so I was I was doing fitness modeling I was getting praised for it the external world was wow your body's amazing but then I was I was binge purge cycling so I would starve myself all day like and over exercise and binge like every night and then take laxatives and then like get up at ridiculous hour in the morning and like run 10k and then all of I'm sure you I'm sure you know Sabrina oh yeah like that that pattern just is so I would wake up super early in the morning and I would go to the gym for like two hours to make up for having binge the night before and then I would eat really really well throughout the day and then the second 8 p.m would hit it was like all rules went out the window I would eat absolutely everything and then you get back to okay well I'll wake up early tomorrow morning and I'll burn off these calories and it just it is an exhausting roller coaster Oh my God. It's so exhausting, right? It's so exhausting. And also how you feel the next morning after a binge, you feel so shit. You've got a sugar hangover. You're bloated. It's just horrific. And then you're, I don't know about you. I'm, I'm sure you had the same. You don't want to look in the mirror because you're just so disgusted in yourself and your body. Mm-hmm. Exhausting. I was in that cycle from the age of 24 till the age of 30. I, and then I met my now fiance when I was in the bulimia. So I was on holiday. I met him in Egypt. I was like absolutely tiny, tiny, tiny. Still, still my body wasn't good enough. I would, I remember I was on this all inclusive holiday in Egypt and there's this beautiful hotel with this amazing food. And I went with my best friend and she laughed. We laugh about it now, but she kind of looks up to me because I had the quote fit body and all of this. So she would copy my behaviors. And on an all inclusive holiday, she lost 10 pounds in a week. 
because she copied my behaviors, which were wake up at 6 a.m. and do a 10K run in Egypt outside of the hotel where you're not even really meant to like leave the hotel. We did that every morning and then we wouldn't eat breakfast. We wouldn't eat lunch. We wouldn't eat snacks. And at about three o'clock, we'd go to the gym and do like an hour hit. I mean, who does hit for a fucking hour? Me? Oh, I did. I did very much. Every day, every single day, I would do a hit workout for an hour to an hour and a half. Yeah. How is our bo- how are our bodies like okay? <laughs> I mean, it barely my body barely wasn't. I and back then I didn't realize I didn't make the association of why is my hair falling out? Why am I constantly exhausted? Why can't I go out at night because I'm so hungry that the only thing I th- can think about is food? I didn't make the association, but it's 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 enhanced in hindsight that we look back and we're like oh these are normalized behaviors that yes. were actually so detrimental to my health i love how you said that they're so normalized and people would be like oh my god like you're so dedicated i wish i could do that and then you your ego gets another hit and you just keep going mm-hmm. and so then in the evening i would allow myself to eat but i would obviously just binge the dessert table I didn't even eat protein. I have no idea how we even built muscle. And then halfway through the holiday, because, I mean, I laugh now, it wasn't funny at the time, because we'd been running outside of the hotel grounds, we got like, and Egypt have like a lot of mosquitoes. So we got like stung or whatever you call it by this like mosquito that had this bacteria. And then we were both covered from our ankles to our hips in like these really swollen red lumps. And then, I was still running at this point. And my friend, Natalie, she said, Vic, I can't get my trainers on because my feet are so swollen. I was like, oh, just shove them in. You'll be fine when you start running. We had to go to the hospital and have an emergency injection. Otherwise, we would have had blood poison. We were still running and not eating. (gasps) Oh, my goodness. Wow. Because skinny is better, right? Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah, it's so, so, so damaging and so fast forward there, I met my now fiance, moved to the Netherlands, like with, within a three to four months of knowing him and then started my healing journey because I couldn't hide it from him. I was away from family. I started binge eating again without the purging because I was just so isolated, so alone. I had no gym to go to. I was like, even though I had this like amazing man, I didn't know how to speak my truth. I didn't know how to ask for help. I hit rock bottom. It to the point where, honestly, Sabrina, I, I remember saying to him when I shared everything, I want to check myself into a psychiatric ward. I'm so scared of my own thoughts. I cannot be me anymore. Please, someone help me. And I was on the, you know, typical like movie thing, like on the floor crying, like literally, I cannot, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what else to do because I hate my body so much. I hate myself so much. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to commit suicide. It wasn't that feeling. And I've been close to that before in the relationship. It was a different, like true surrender, like true white flag. Someone help me. I cannot anymore. And that's when I was at rock bottom. I hired a coach. I looked, I've had therapy and stuff before in the past and it's, it's very helpful, but there's not much action in it, in my opinion. So I started listening to podcasts, found a coach from a, from a podcast, which is why I started my own podcast, um, got certified in, in psychology, the science of nutrition, and then did my coaching certification, healed myself, like as I was learning. And then I'm just 
interestingly enough, the word obsessed again, obsessed with personal development. I mean, I'm delving yeah. into the root, root cause of it all. <laughs> and I help women now. So I feel like I'm talking to myself right now, <laughs> seriously. And, and when you, I got chills when you were talking about that moment when you hit rock bottom and, and thought, I cannot possibly be with my own thoughts anymore because I distinctively remember it was in, I think it was in my third or fourth year of university when I was at my own rock bottom where I was the thinnest I've ever been and I was no longer seeing my friends because I didn't want to go to restaurants where they might order food that I wouldn't be able to uh, hold myself back against or um, I didn't know how many calories were going to be in that beer that I would force myself to drink. Um, and I remember being in my in my bedroom in university thinking – what am I doing here? I feel the most unhealthy I've ever been, but all of these behaviors that I think that I'm doing, I was tracking my calories, I was over-exercising. I thought I was doing it in the name of health. And mm -hmm. I I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but I was so terrified to stop the, doing these behaviors because I was so terrified to gain weight. But at the same time, I was so terrified of what would happen if I didn't stop. And mm -hmm. so I would book an appointment with the school therapist. And I did this about 10 times and I would book it and I would book it in like those times of darkness and it would be like a week from that day. And then throughout that week, I would try to convince myself that, you know what? This isn't that bad. You don't need therapy. This is not an eating disorder. And I was so scared to go to therapy and have them label me as having an eating disorder that every time the day of, I would cancel my appointment and just think, I don't need help. This is just, I, you for sure felt this way. This is just food. I should be able to figure this out on my own. Have you ever felt that way? Absolutely, Sabrina. And you and I are so similar. And, and I'm sure many women that listen to this podcast are because we're such go-getters and we can get shit done. Get up at three in the morning and run 10K. Yeah, no problem. Mm -hmm. Stop binging. Like, I literally thought there was something wrong with me because I could do more or less anything else that I wanted to do. That took a lot of gut and determination and grit. And I just couldn't stop. So towards the end of like my breakdown, I couldn't even diet for an hour. So I was thinking I used to be able to like, well, first of all, I could just diet dead easy and I'd get results. Then like during the bulimia days, at least I could restrict in the day. So and then I was like, what is wrong with me? I literally have lost my ability to diet. And then I hated myself for that. But in it was a blessing in disguise because my body was like, listen, we are absolutely, we have had enough. I am just going to send all of your hormones into overdrive to just eat and eat and eat until you, if she could talk, she would be like, until you get help because we need to sort this shit out because we're probably just going to die. I had no period still, even though I was weight restored yeah. because I wasn't healthy. My body wasn't safe to be, yeah. to be healthy. Yeah. Same thing happened to me. I, I did get to a point where I, I gained the weight back and I was at a normal weight, but it took me so long to get my period back because my body had been so messed up. And I remember I used to make jokes of like, Oh my God, my hair is getting so thin. And I didn't really understand why. And, and it was, 
it's so hard when you're in that state because you truly believe that what you're doing is healthy. Because mm. I was, I don't know about you, but I was, <laughs> I was so obsessed with food that any time that I had free, I would just scroll on Instagram and look at videos of food and thinking, <laughs> oh my God, I should make that or I should eat that. Like all of my saved posts were just videos of healthy foods or workouts. And I'm sure that you've heard that study where they, where they put, um, a study, a control group of men who were completely normal men who didn't have any particular interest in food or exercise and they restricted their calorie intake, I think by like a thousand calories. And within a couple of weeks or even a couple of days, all they could do is think and talk about food. They were looking at articles of food and it becomes your entire life. And, and it's almost like you don't know because no one teaches you this stuff. Like, how do I get myself out of this so that my life doesn't revolve around food and my weight? Yes. It was a Minnesota, Minnesota starvation experiment. Yes. Yes. And the men were fed 1800 calories a day. If you imagine that, like, Oh, 1200 calories on my fitness pal. How the fuck I even manage that? I have no idea. I mean, I would obviously eat under that as well. Mm-hmm. I have that for breakfast probably. <laughs> I think the same thing now because I obviously don't track my calories anymore, but I eat to an average person. I eat a lot. And mm-hmm. I think if I were to track my calories compared to how I used to eat, I probably ate the amount that I ate in a full day back there is probably the amount that I eat before noon now. Yeah. Same, same. And you know what I used to do, Sabrina, in terms of like looking at food, I used to literally, no word of a lie, have on YouTube, like to watch later, like I created a folder called food porn. And I would literally watch people like eat like these eating competitions of like, oh, look what I eat in a cheat day. And like all these like professional men who were eating like you couldn't even believe that it fits in their body. I used to sit there and watch it like not sexually, obviously, but <laughs> I was so obsessed. With, but then the second, and not the second, that's a bit over over exaggerated. The moment I really chose to start my food freedom journey didn't even interest me in the slightest, even to this day, to even watch someone do an eating con- contest. It doesn't even, but this, I guarantee yeah. if I started restricting, which I never will, you're, I will want to be watching those things again because your brain becomes obsessed with food because you're not eating enough. Yeah, 100%. So I'm really curious, at what point did you think, because I know for me, it took me it took me a while to actually realize there's something off about what I'm doing. And, and especially when it comes to people who have dieted their entire life, I get people who are at different stages of their level of awareness who come to me. Um, I have the people who come to me and they're still fully, they're looking for weight loss advice. They're intermittent fasting, they're calorie counting, and they want to know like, okay, what do I need to restrict more of? Um, and then I've got other people who have hit their own rock bottom of, okay, I cannot keep living this way anymore. Um, This isn't even about weight loss anymore. I need to live a life where I'm not obsessed with food. Um, I want to be healthy. And so at what point did you come to the realization of, oh, there's, uh, it might've been when you were through going through anorexia or bulimia or exercise addiction um, that you were like, okay, something needs, something's wrong. Maybe not necessarily something needs to change, but something's wrong. 
That is a great question. And, you know, I, I can tell you the moment exactly. So I was living with my mom. This was before I went to Egypt to met my now fiance. It would have been when I was, in fact, it would have been when I was about 25 years old and I'd done my usual like that was like as I found the gym so I was like in the diet binge purge cycle and then I'd had a um a binge episode of like more than I didn't purge for like a week so it was like a week-long binge and you I I I could put 10 pounds I mean I know a lot of it is water weight but I could I could pack 10 12 pounds on in a week because of the extremity I would eat. And I remember standing in front of the mirror and just crying my eyes out. And my mum was like, what's wrong? And I remember just being in her arms and crying and saying, I don't want to care what I look like anymore, but I don't know how to not care. And I just remember saying, I don't want to care anymore. I don't want to care anymore. And she didn't know how to help me. Mm-hmm. And she was holding me and giving me love, but she was obsessed with her body and and what she was eating. So at that point, even though I did know, I, I still then dieted and managed to stick to the diet and blah, blah, blah. Even though I didn't take an action to recovery then, that was a pivotal moment where something inside of me thought, there more, I didn't even know there was something different because I literally thought if you're born, then you just diet and spend your whole life trying to be skinny. That I literally thought that was life. But there was something inside of me that didn't want to be obsessed with the way I looked. And I remember since that realization, like going out for dinner with my cousin and some of my family who aren't considered socially ideal with their body type. And I remember looking at them and being so jealous of the fact that they could just be happy and live a life and choose pizza off the menu, then leave somewhere when they were full. Even though I didn't like the way they looked, I didn't want to look like them. And I'm being radically honest here. I was so jealous that they could just be normal and not care. And I I was like, I want that so much. That's exactly how I felt in university. Because like I said, university was my rock bottom. And I remember looking at my friends and just thinking, how, how, how are you just ordering that piece of pizza? Pizza was like the one food that I never allowed myself to eat unless I was... I had this thing that if I was drunk, that's when I would allow myself to eat all of the foods that I normally wouldn't because that's when I could like kind of shut my brain off from all of the guilt and then I would overeat in those moments. But I remember just looking at my friends and thinking, do not, you don't care how many calories are in the food? Like it did, it honestly did not click for me how other people, and, and that's something a lot of my clients say when we start working together and I ask them, What would life look like for you if you didn't think about food and your weight all the time? And they say, I can't even imagine what that life would be like. Yes. A question I used to ask myself because it was really difficult to answer. So when I was on my journey to food freedom and body love and when I'd be getting changed and thinking, oh, my God, I just hate my body so much. I'd, I'd ask myself, if I weren't degrading my body right now, what would I be thinking? And then I'd be like, that is a good question because, and that's how you start to gradually rewire your, like physically rewire your brain because you can't do the same thing and expect different results. And so I couldn't want to have food freedom and body love yet still be judging everything I was eating and hating my, like something had to change, but I had no idea what to do, which is why I got help. And that's why part of our our work is changing our beliefs and changing our perception because 
when you change on the inside, everything outside changes. If someone took me back in time five years from now and then showed the version of me that I am today to this five year previous version of me and said this version of you like the me today will be so full of love for herself you would never believe possible so happy I would literally have been like she's fat and there's absolutely no way I could ever be happy in that body and I would not have believed anything they said yeah yeah so you can change how you see yourself in the world it's so exciting that we can really change our whole reality if we want to we can do it I've done it I never thought a hundred percent. And, um, I have, I have someone who just joined one of my programs. My programs is three months and, um, she was really reluctant. And she said at first she had this big fear, which was what if after three months, I just go right back to how I was before. And I asked her, I was like, if you went to therapy for three months and you learned about yourself and your triggers and all of your wiring, your brain wiring changed within three months, um, would you ever be able to go back to the person you were three months ago? And that kind of clicked for her to realize, oh, this isn't like all of those diets where you you follow rules for three months and then you just change your behaviors, you change the external, but you don't actually change what's going on inside your internal wiring. This is actually going to change not just my behaviors, but my entire beliefs around the world, around my body. And it's going to undo all of these things that I've been conditioned to believe for so many years that's what needs to happen. It's not the counting calories. It's not giving you more food rules. It's going inwards and changing the way that you think about yourself and about food. Amen to that. And once you do that, there is no going back because that is obviously connected to self-love and self-trust. And that, my friend, is our natural state. So there's nothing to, we don't learn how to love ourselves. We already do. We're just so blocked that we can't feel our own self-love, right? There's nothing to learn in terms of body trust. We were born trusting our body. And, and you know, if you're cold, you get go and get a sweat a sweater on if you need to pee you go to the toilet to pee we don't question all that shit although if if someone got money for making us think otherwise we probably would and if we were made to feel shame for needing to go for a pee we probably would if it's if it's given to us in enough conditioning Mm -hmm. and so we already trust our bodies we've just forgotten how to so that's one of the beautiful things about our work because it's so natural to come back to self-love and self-trust and of course self-love encompasses accepting your body for how your body is like there's so there is so many layers to this work and trauma release and all of that but actually it's easy not it's simple not it's simple to come back to self-love because that's who we are yeah and I think that a lot of people are actually scared to love themselves because what if I love myself and then I let myself go? What if I love myself and, and I stop caring about how I eat or how much I exercise? And I always tell people, you don't, no one wants to genuinely take care of something that they hate. And so yeah. when you are trying to hate yourself thin, it's not coming from a place of self love. And it's not going to be behaviors that you're going to want to maintain because you're not doing it to feel good. You're not doing it to 
to feel good about yourself. You're doing it for other people's validation. You're doing it um, because you don't like who you are right now. Exactly. And so, so actually we think that self-flagellation and extra discipline is going to help us be happier in the long run. That's why we do it. So there's a, obviously there's a reason why we do everything. However, the complete opposite, and there's been studies done on this, self-compassion gets you much further and you get there happy along the way to whatever goal we want to get to. Let's say, I mean, I don't ever believe in weight loss because I believe in weight set point theory. So let's say you want to start fitness and you want to like be increasing your fitness levels. If you're like trying to force yourself and motivate yourself to go, that will only be short term. Whereas if you inspire yourself because you want to take care of you, that is like a everlasting reason that's from a place of love and not fear and so anything that is born from fear will not last and if it does you'll be extremely unhappy doing the thing my eating disorders were always born from fear so anything like now I still work out five days a week because I love it but if I wake up and my body's like hey girl we need to rest I'm like okay sweetheart would you like to do some yoga like I literally treat my body like a it's part of me, but it's not who I am. Yes, I treat my body like someone who I love very much because I do now. And I never thought those words would come out of my mouth. I completely agree. I used to brag about the fact to everyone, brag about the fact that I went four years without taking more than a day in a row off from exercise. And that was like to think of taking two days off in a row was unthinkable. I got the flu once and I still worked out through it, even though I could barely like could barely move my body. I still worked out through it. And even this happened just yesterday. I, I tend not to work out on the weekends anymore because I'm just so active. I go for walks. Um, I just enjoy spending time with people and it just dawned on me that I'm able to do that without feeling any kind of guilt and that would have never been the case a couple of years ago. And I always tell my clients that the freedom that you feel from being able to eat and exercise in a way that feels good to you without guilt or shame, it never gets old. I don't know if you felt that way, but it never gets old. It's so liberating. Every So five days a week in my calendar, I have an hour blocked out and it says body movement. And so I literally wake up and I speak to my body like internally, like, what do you feel like doing today? And then this morning it was a get this 20 minute hit workout. Wow, <laughs> not like, an hour. <laughs> <laughs> because that's how long, I mean, ideally you do hit for because it's high intensity interval training. Mm-hmm. I did that today because it worked for my time schedule that I had this morning. And I, I was so energetic from having like three rest days in a row that felt good. And just sharing a story like similar to yours, like when you was pushing through with the flu, bless you, like bless you, that actually kind of fitted, didn't it, with the sneezing. Um, I broke my ankle and was doing one-legged burpees. Oh my goodness. Still to this day have problems with the said ankle. Oh, I wonder why. Because I thought it was like really successful and really good to just push like yeah I'm like so disciplined that I've got a broken ankle I'm still working out that's just stupid mm-hmm. but nobody could tell me nobody could tell me otherwise because I was deter- determined to do it 
Yeah. So I have a very similar story. I have, do you know what scoliosis is? I've heard of it. Please explain though. So I have my spine. I was born with a crooked spine. And uh, Mm -hmm. so it's basically S shaped and it got worse and worse over the years. I had to wear a back brace for four years of my life. It was very, very cute as you can imagine. Um, And it's gone worse over the years to a point that it it my the pain migrated down to my hips and my legs and i was constantly in a state of inflammation and i did not let that deter me and from from working out 7 days a week and i had gone to physio and i had gone to osteopaths and i remember my osteopath saying you need to start listening to your body when when you wake up and you feel like you've gone hit by a truck that's not an invitation to work out the pain away. Um, and, and if you need to go a week, two weeks where you're just going for gentle movement and you're walking and you're stretching or you're just doing upper body, you need to pay attention to that. And I remember thinking, Oh my God, that's the scariest thing in the world because if I'm just doing that, I'm not going to be burning the 400, 500 calories that I was doing when I was running and doing HIIT workouts and doing all of these high intensity workouts. Um, and I remember, and it was, it was my own journey of, okay, I need to take care of my body because if you keep destroying your body the way you're doing it now, um, you're going to be 30 and you're not going to be able to work out at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it kind of like, forced me into having to slow down and take care of myself. But I think it's so important to to remember that you don't need to push your body to a point of exhaustion. And a lot of the times, calming down, giving yourself rest days is the best thing that you can do for your body. So yeah, it's like your body's screaming at you. Well, first of all, it starts nudging you and sends you like little nudges. And if you ignore that, it will it will push you. And if you ignore that, it will give you a big slap around the face and be like, look, you need to listen to me. And so don't, you know, whoever's listening, don't let your body have to literally slap you around the face and get you bedridden or whatever, because I have complications with my, I can't wear heels anymore because of like this, this ankle. And so, I mean, that's not a really big deal anymore, but the things that you don't think will happen to you, they, this shit happens. Like when I used to take all these laxatives and I remember a, a, a counselor giving me this leaflet on all the damages that I was doing to my body with, and then, and I was reading it and being like, yeah, but it won't happen to me. I mean, this particular thing with my digestion has, hasn't happened to me, but it's happened to some of my clients that I'm coaching right now, it happens. Yeah. And I think that's a really important topic to talk about is having people think about long-term implications. Because when we go on a diet and I completely understand the appeal, you are struggling right now. You feel terrible about your body. Maybe you feel uncomfortable, you feel unhealthy and you think, what can I do right now that's going to make me feel better? And what can I do that's going to be the quickest and most effortless way? Because as much as dieting sucks and it's miserable, it's effortless in the sense that it doesn't require you to think much in terms of it doesn't require you to do the hard work of diving into your trauma and diving into the negative and uncomfortable emotions that you might be distracting yourself from. And so we think of short term 
And and even though there's so much research out about the long-term implications of dieting, um, we almost, we can't even put ourselves in that future version of yourself. Um, would you agree that that's something that a lot of people struggle with and, and leads to long-term weight gain and health diseases and heart disease? It does. And dieting is a great coping mechanism, like you shared. And, you know, I thought I was addicted to sugar. People think they're addicted to food. What we're really addicted to is the pursuit of weight loss and dieting and having a safe meal plan or safe point plan to stick to and to get our bodies as small as possible, because then, God forbid, we can love ourselves conditionally conditionally without facing our trauma and unworthiness and how who am I if I'm not putting all my worth in my body all of that stuff which is challenging but when you go through it when you're ready to face that your whole life will never be the same again and you grow ex you know exponentially in such a short space of time you get to know who you are you're you're free forever because as women we don't only have to stay skinny we also have to stay young and skinny well I'm 35 now and over time my we're going to get older our skin changes imagine living so free and accepting of yourself and your body you can take care of yourself but without worrying and stressing about what you like what wrinkle you have now or how much weight you're putting on your body has all of that covered your job is to take care of yourself in physically mentally and emotionally your body's job is to do what her job is so just leave her to it work on your emotional health look after yourself physically get help because we need help with all of this yeah and your whole life will change for the better it really will yeah and I know that a lot of people might be listening and thinking I don't even know if I want to do this work I don't know if I'm ready to peel back the layers and look at what's really going on underneath it I think it's easier to just numb myself and distract myself um what would you say to to that response that's okay if you're where you're at. Like seriously, like if you're not ready yet to embark on this journey, that's okay. You've got to be ready. But let me ask you this. If you continue the way you're continuing right now, where will you be in a year's time, in five years time, in 10 years time? Like seriously, take a moment to think about that. Dieting is the best way to gain weight over time. And that's not me just shitting you because of the work I do. If you want to gain weight, literally diet, yo-yo diet, because that's what happens. It's like proven in all this research. Mm -hmm. If you want to feel worse about yourself and have even less self-esteem, continue dieting. And I don't say this lightly. If it's, It is the best coping mechanism. It's celebrated and pushed as a coping mechanism. But if you're ready to truly live, like truly, I remember I shared, I thought you were born and therefore you just diet until you die. I mean, the word diet has got the word die in it without the T. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a choice. Like, do you not want better for yourself? Because there's so much better out there. And I never thought I would say that. But trust me, trust Sabrina. There's a whole world out there that is truly free and liberating and self-accepting and self-loving. And you will never discover that ever if you're still dieting and suppressing your body weight, suppressing your appetite or trying to. So what do you want? It's yeah. your choice. Absolutely. And when you say you might not be ready, 
I would almost say though that most people will never feel ready and and you shouldn't have to wait until you hit your rock bottom mm-hmm. where you literally cannot function anymore or your health is forcing your back against the wall to do something about it because eventually like we were talking about before when it comes to exercise but eventually you can keep denying the fact that there is underlying issues going on that there's trauma that there's beliefs that there's things that you are numbing, but eventually that is going to boil up and it's going to explode. Maybe that is tomorrow. Maybe that is a month from now, but we can never push these things down forever. And so wouldn't you rather do that work now, now that you are able to do it where you're not being forced to do it against your will? And actually, why would you want to keep delaying feeling better, feeling free, feeling good, feeling happy, feeling healthy. Why would you want to delay that even one more day? Exactly. And and a lot of women, maybe listen to this, are either mums, mothers, or want to be a mother. Would you want what you have in terms of your relationship with food and your body? Would you want that for your child? And if you don't, I don't care what you say to your child and how much you say they're perfect as they are. If they, even if you hide your behaviors from them, children know, know everything. They will copy your energy and your behaviors around food and body. So if you don't want them to have the same problems, it always starts with us, with you. Like it really does. If you want to be the pattern, the cycle breaker from generational, it starts with you and it's not just doing it for your children it's doing it for yourself and then they will follow suit and then that's how we literally change the world absolutely I um I wanted to get into the whole um learning how to change your beliefs but I feel like I would love to have you on in a on a separate episode because we would have so much to talk about but for (laughs) anyone who is currently hearing our message and realizing the urgency of, Mm -hmm. oh my goodness, I can't keep going on this way because again, it doesn't fix itself by itself. Um, It doesn't, these things don't go away. If anything, they get harder and harder because we have this diet culture that is telling us do more, do more of this disordered eating, do more of this body dysmorphia, do more of this um, really harmful practices for your health. So if someone is realizing, okay, something needs to change, what would you say is the very first thing, very first thing so that they can walk away from listening to this episode? I know that it's hard because there are so many steps and it's multifaceted, but where do you start? Do you start by um, getting a coach? Do you start by reading a book? Do you start by you stop counting calories? Where do you start and um, to get started? Yeah. Okay, so where do you start? I mean, ideally work with a coach. I mean, we're not just saying that because we're coaches, but seriously, the whole reason why me and Sabrina do what we do is because we have the answers for you and we can guide you step by step to where you want to be. If that's not possible for you, because it's not possible for everyone, then read The Fuck It Diet by Caroline Duna. Mm-hmm. Start there. Yes. yes. And my podcast as well. Yes. The Body Love Bitch. Yes. So where can, where can people find you? I know you have your own podcast. Um, so tell us all of the links so that they can connect with you. And I will obviously be putting them in the show notes. Thank you. And I'd love to have you on Sabrina, by the way, on my podcast, just putting it out there. Yes. I would love to be a guest. (laughs) Thank you. 
So my podcast is called the Body Love Binge, Food Freedom and Body Love Podcast on almost all platforms. I'm VictoriaKleinsman.com, VictoriaKleinsman on Facebook, Instagram, VictoriaKleinsman official because my original one got hacked, unfortunately, had to start all over again a couple of months oh. ago. Um, but come and say hi. I'm, I do have a virtual assistant that helps me, but I'm behind every DM. So I usually send a voice note back. So you also know it's me because I'm, I really take time to connect with. I do the same thing. I love, I don't have anyone manage my social media because I love talking to people directly, giving them advice. And I love the voice memos and the DMs too. So I will leave all of those show notes, um, all of those links in the show notes. Thank you so much, Victoria. As I said, I would love to have you to talk for hours about all the different facets of food freedom. Um, but I really appreciate you being so open, so vulnerable about your story. And I am sure that I will find you on another episode. Thank you so much, Sabrina. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you found it valuable, I would love if you would share it with someone you know that could benefit. If you're loving the show, don't forget to subscribe over on Apple Podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. I really love hearing feedback from you, so please leave a rating and review over on Apple to help us get in the ears of more people who need it the most. Finally, Come hang out with me on Instagram at Sabrina Magna Health for more educational content and get up close and personal with me. Thank you so much for being here and I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you found it valuable, I would love if you would share it with someone you know that could benefit. If you're loving the show, don't forget to subscribe over on Apple Podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. I really love hearing feedback from you, so please leave a rating and review over on Apple to help us get in the ears of more people who need it the most. Finally, Come hang out with me on Instagram at Sabrina Magna Health for more educational content and get up close and personal with me. Thank you so much for being here and I'll see you on the next episode.